to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. Today's Bible lesson from Acts chapter 15 talks about a conflict that the baby church faced. And the way that they handle it can give each of us some godly wisdom into how to handle conflicts in our home, at church, at work, wherever we are. But I'll warn you, this message today is not for everyone. If your heart has stopped beating and you realize that you're not breathing anymore, well, I'm sad to say that this message is not for you because you won't be experiencing conflict anymore. But if you check yourself and find out that you are still warm, then you should listen up because the only prerequisites for having conflict in your life are to be human and alive. If you fit into both these categories today, then this message is for you. Let's begin today by eavesdropping on a church council meeting. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, Afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. 
For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas. This is the letter they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. The messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. My friends, thanks for listening to that long passage of scripture, but it's very important for us to hear that to get a full context of what God is about to teach us today. You know, there are many skills that the Lord can teach us about handling conflict in this first century example, but I'm only going to focus on one major one today. The people involved managed the conflict well because they collaborated. They worked together to find a solution. Friends, we're going to take a little quiz today. Nothing to worry about. I'm just going to describe a situation. And then you're going to choose what you would likely do in that situation. Here it is. A close friend with whom you work is pushing for a decision which you believe is potentially damaging to the work of the entire organization. Would you, A, demonstrate your unhappiness with his or her position by refusing to discuss the matter at all, B, refrain from stating how strongly you disagree, hoping he or she would change without being pushed to do so, C, openly express your disagreement and together search to find a mutually acceptable position, D, state your position on the matter attempting to negotiate a position both of you could live with, or E, State exactly why you think his or her position is unreasonable and dangerous and urge him or her to change that position. My friends, the way you would respond to this situation helps give you an idea about how you tend to handle conflicts that arise in your life. You know, there are five basic ways that people, just like us, handle conflict. I ask you today, which of these best describes the way that you handle conflicts? 
The first style is competing. Competing happens when a person pursues his or her own concerns at the other person's expense. This is a power-oriented mode in which one uses whatever power seems appropriate to get what one wants. Competing might mean standing up for your rights or defending a position, which one believes to be correct, but often it's simply one trying to win. You can think of this as the shark mentality, competing. Accommodating is the opposite of competing when accommodating, a person neglects his own concerns to satisfy the concerns of the other person. There is an element of self-sacrifice in this style. Accommodating might take the form of selfless generosity or charity, obeying another person's order when one would prefer not to, or yielding to another's point of view. This you can think of as the teddy bear mentality, accommodating. The third style is avoiding, and that's where the person does not immediately pursue his own concerns or that those of the other person. He does not address the conflict. Avoiding might take the form of diplomatically sidestepping an issue, postponing an issue until a better time, or simply withdrawing from a threatening situation. This you can think of as the turtle mentality, avoiding. Collaborating is the opposite of avoiding. Collaborating involves an attempt to work with the other person to find some solution, which fully satisfies the concerns of both persons. It means digging into an issue to identify the underlying concerns of the two people and to find an alternative which meets both sets of concerns. Collaborating between two persons might take the form of exploring a disagreement to learn from each other's insights or confronting and trying to find a creative solution to the problem. Let's think of this as the owl mentality, collaborating. Finally, compromising is where the goal is to find some mutually acceptable solution which partially satisfies both parties. It falls on a middle ground between competing and accommodating. Compromising gives up more than competing, but less than accommodating. It also addresses an issue more directly than avoiding, but doesn't explore it in as much depth as collaborating. Compromising might mean splitting the difference or seeking a quick middle ground position. This we can think of as the fox mentality, compromising. Now, as I was just explaining these styles to you of handling conflict, you probably saw yourself described in one or several. Each of these styles has a place depending on the situation, but in most situations, collaborating is the best approach to use. And it just so happens that in this conflict of Acts 15, Paul, Barnabas, Peter, James, and the rest of them handled the conflict well because they collaborated. Collaborating means to work together with the person or group of people you are having a conflict with, to find solutions that will completely satisfy both parties. Does this sound too good to be true? Well, sometimes it is, but many times it isn't. It's just that we give up trying too soon. Think about conflict that you've been involved in, conflicts between your uh, husband and wife, uh, conflicts with your friends at school, conflicts between couples, Conflicts with your boss. And now ask yourself these questions. 
Are you generally satisfied with how you've been handling these conflicts? Or would you like to be able to handle them better? Well, if you answered no and then yes to these questions, I want to share some biblical tips on how to help you handle conflict better in your future. Several ingredients go into collaborating. Collaborating literally means being a co-laborer with each party, working together to find a solution. This involves accepting others' concerns as valid and caring enough about the other person to dig into the issue to find innovative and mutually satisfying solutions. To help deal with conflicts better, the first thing we need to do is to give people permission to be in conflict. Everyone needs to know that disagreements are okay. Now, this may sound rather obvious, but in many families and groups of people, this is not the case. Some people view all disagreement and conflict as bad, as a sign of perhaps a lack of love for the other person. So you see one spouse saying, yes, dear, to the other for years, when inside they're fuming. Or you see people avoiding talking about any issue that's potentially divisive because nice people, Christian people, are always supposed to agree. Well, as you know from marital breakups and church splits, these ways of not giving permission for disagreements to happen are often very destructive. They tend to be destructive because the lid on the pot can only hold the steam in for so long until it blows, right? Well, the church in Acts 15 handled their dissension in a different way. There was a dispute back then, and that was okay. Some people believed that the Gentile believers had to be circumcised to be full Christians. Others didn't. A genuine disagreement existed, but instead of sweeping the conflict under the carpet and going to church every Sunday with smiles on their faces but rage in their hearts, these early Christians did the godly thing. They were honest about the disagreement and publicly talked about it. They even called a council meeting to deal with it. You need to know, friends, that it's okay to have disagreements with others. Disagreements are simply a byproduct of having relationships with other people. The early church knew this, and it helped to get their problem out in the open before it began festering. The second thing that the early church did right was this. They allowed everyone involved in the conflict to state his or her position with strength and clarity. Look what the Bible says. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them. Did you catch that? Each person got an equal chance to speak what was going on in his heart. And as each one spoke, the others respected him. The Bible goes to great lengths to point out in verse 12 that the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Paul and Barnabas. So there was respect for the other person and side in the conflict. Certainly, there was a disagreement over the issue, but there was also respect for the people involved. And each person got a fair and equal chance to represent his views. 
Now this is unlike many of the current examples we see of handling divisive issues, isn't it? Let's think about the talk shows that you see on television. You know what I'm talking about. Let's say the topic of the day is the legitimacy of homosexuality in society today. On most talk shows, you would probably see a homosexual couple on one side and likely a prominent and eloquent lawyer who had a homosexual son or daughter as well as a talk show host nodding sympathetically at each point they make. On the other side, you would probably have an aging priest. You know what I mean, don't you? But the Jerusalem Council didn't handle this conflict that way. They didn't stack the deck to one side. They gave each person the respect he deserved by allowing each one to state his position clearly and completely. And the last thing they did to ensure that the conflict would be handled in a godly way was that they offered protection to the people in the conflict. They made sure that no one would be intentionally hurt in the conflict physically, emotionally, or spiritually. They had a mediator in charge, James, the half-brother of Jesus himself, who made sure that matters were handled fairly. The solution they reached was balanced, being true to God's truth, but also respecting the strong feelings of each side in the conflict. And no one could say that they were hurt because they were left out of the decision-making process. As the Bible makes clear in verse, 15, verse 22 of Acts 15, it says, Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas. Look at, no harsh words were spoken. There were strong arguments, yes, but no damaging words. No stones were thrown, and no one was ignored. Friends, this is how conflict can be managed. This is how we need to handle conflict in our lives. Think of the marriages that could be saved. Think of the families that could be happier. Think of our churches that could be closer together if we were to handle our conflicts God's way, like the church did in Acts 15. Friends, it's so important for us to realize that conflicts are opportunities for growth and not necessarily signs that something is wrong. Every conflict that you are or will be involved in can be beneficial. Everyone. They can help us get to know one another better. They can help us move from superficiality to depth in our relationships. They can force us to ask difficult, probing questions about ourselves so that we get to know ourselves better too. And conflicts can also sharpen our understanding of God's truth as traditions of men that keep us from knowing God more intimately are chiseled away. If you handle conflicts God's way by giving permission to disagree, by allowing each person time to openly and honestly state his or her position, by guaranteeing physical, emotional, and spiritual protection to the people involved, you will begin to find that your ability to handle conflicts will be more satisfying and fulfilling. And most importantly, your relationships with those people you care about will no longer, will, will be longer and uh, will be longer lasting and deeper. May Jesus give you 
the grace and the strength to collaborate, to work together to find satisfying solutions. And may he give you renewed relationships in the midst of the conflicts that you will face in the days ahead. As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses his word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.